Everybody hear me? All righty. They got the microphone working. This is weird. The last one, it kept going in and out. I just did it out. Sorry. My bad. Anyway, Mark and uh, Missy Winterton, and as Rob already said, we're going to go through the uh, four E's and the four rhythms. And it's very important. But before we go into that, Missy and I thank each and every one of you for being here today. Clearing your calendars to be here. There's a lot of stuff in preparation for UT having an undefeated season. And I'm sure you guys are cheering up all the chicken wings and salsa galore, right? So, um, sorry, Florida fans. But um, anyway, we want to say thank you to you. And the church says thank you because what you do is unbelievable as small group leaders. You never count yourself short because... You are really the hands and feet of Jesus, and uh, you're shepherding God's flock. And when I heard that, one time I almost wanted to pass out, because we all all are God's people. And shepherding is vital <coughs> to, to God, and it's vital to us. Um, real quick, and I'm going to turn this over to, to Missy, and we're going to kind of go back and forth through these four years and four rhythms. But this is something that Rob Patrick and Kyle Wall and Pastor Chris None of these guys grab what we're doing today, these four even rhythms, out of the air, and they didn't make this stuff up. These things come straight from Scripture. And we see this straight from the beginning with God, the Holy Spirit, and Jesus. How they had community and small groups, and they had an intimate relationship with one another. And then we saw this with Adam and Eve and God, and then the disciples with Jesus. But Jesus actually took it one step further. He took Peter, James, and John and started making them apprentices just like you do in your groups, by discipling people in your groups, to multiply. Because when Jesus was going to ascend, he knew that he would have to have some people take over that group of 12. One person can't do the 12 but Jesus. So he had three groups of four ready to go when he left. And it just grew and grew out from there. So you, as small group leaders, everything that faith promised, the health of the church, moving the baton of God forward here in East Tennessee, all relies on your shoulders. Sorry. But everything rises and falls with small groups and with you discipling people in your groups. So how do we tie in the four E's to faith, promise, and groups and how we're going to reach all the many people that we need to reach? The best place to start is the core. Who could tell me one of the five core values? Mm-hmm. Serving, tithing, giving. Anybody else? Being in a group. Anybody else? And immersion, yes. And the last one is next steps. And has anybody, um, everybody in here been to the next steps? Great information, great resources, and also uh, they show you the vision of Faith Promise, which is to reach the one church in the surrounding counties. So that's where it starts. And then we'll be. Right from Israel. That's from his trip. <laughs> so that's how we, uh, we are going to tie in the four E's today, again, that we just talked about. It starts with the core and all of those different things. You want to be sure that in your group you're talking about the core and how, if they're not doing all those five things, how they can get there. So you want to talk about serving. You want to talk about giving. That may be a private conversation that you have with someone, but you just want to talk about it. If you've never talked about it before. If you do talk about it, um, just make sure you talk about it again at least 
two or three, four times a year. And especially if you have new group members come into your group, you want to do that as well. So just make sure that you put the core values, all those different five things together in your group as we start to talk about the four E's today. And we'll show you how we connect all those together. So the first one is encountering God, which is the up rhythm. And this is, not the most probably, this is the most important rhythm as you as small group leaders can have for your spouse and for your group and if you're single, um, for those friends and family around you and also your small groups. Uh, two questions to really think about uh, as we unpack this is, you know, how did you encounter your spouse? And if you're single, how did you encounter your friend that's now one of your best friends? You literally spent time with that person. I remember when I first met Missy, we, we met for coffee, and then six hours later, we were still talking. And, and then the next day, a phone call, the next day, got together for dinner, and so on and so forth. So if you think about it, if we're made in the image of God, why would we think that our relationships with our spouses, our best friends, would be any different than the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us? So in this alignment of having an up rhythm, that's where it needs to be with you and God. Uh, how many of you went to the Global Leadership Summit the week before last? Wow, that's tremendous. Uh, for you that didn't, uh, there's a gentleman that started the Global Leadership Summit named Bill Heibel. And he is the host church that has all these leaders coming and speaking stuff. And then they cast out all this speaking all these different churches across the world in different locations. And hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, even millions, watch this now through over 60 countries. Anyway, this church has about 30,000 seats in it. And it's up in Chicago, Illinois. It's a big church, one, one of the biggest in North America. But anyway, if you ever get time with Bill Hybels and you get on his assistance calendar to book you in there to see him, whether it's for guidance, counseling, whatever it is, he's got one question for you. And that one question he has for you is, show me or tell me about your chair. Tell me about your chair. What he's really asking is, you should have a place at your house, somewhere that you go on a daily basis, that you have a connection with God. It could be your war room. Remember that movie? Prayer closet. Uh, he wants to know by you describing this chair that you would be able to say, I have this high back chair and this table beside that chair and this lamp, and then I have this. Yeah, this wooden pen that's from Israel that I made from Bethlehem wood. Oh, I'm sorry. Think about Israel So anyway, um, he wants to know about this place because if you can explain it in that much detail, he knows that you're daily spending time with God. And if your vertical alignment's not there, you're in trouble. Everything else doesn't matter. There's nothing he can say to you, no instruction he can give because your alignment is not right. So nothing else in your life is going to work. That's why all these other four E's, three E's and three rhythms won't matter if you don't have this one right. This is the most important one. Another gentleman by the name of Bill named Bill Winston, he states that much times a lot of revelation comes to him not so much from the black text that's in the Bible, but from the white spaces. Think about that for a minute. 
you know, when he first said that, I had to get my Bible to look to see what he meant. You know, I, I was a kid in school that when the teacher said, hey, we're going to do an essay today, 250 words or less. And I want you to describe why this chair is not here. I'm like, okay. So after a few minutes, I would write on my paper what chair with a question mark and hand it in and leave. 250 words or less. I know this is not the sex class, but the next two things, guys, really listen to what I'm getting ready to say. Because this will help your sex life, you don't believe. It really will. Did you not? Yeah. Did, <laughs> did you know that couples that pray together have a 92% success rate in marriage? 92%. Now, here's where it really gets real. This is where you're sprinting across the finish line into heaven with your spouse instead of limping and diving forward. Couples that not only pray together, but read the Bible separately together, 97% success rate in marriage. Why would we think we need to have any kind of other alignment? That is the ultimate alignment we need to have. If someone can read John 10.3.5 for me, and then we'll be turning this back over to Misty. How many volunteers for John 10 verses 3 through 5? Don't shout me down. Need a volunteer. You got it? You have it? John 10, verse 3 through 5. So I don't know if everybody can hear that, but in a nutshell, you know, as a shepherd of God's people in small group, it's a must that you personally meet with God on a daily basis and have this uplift and working for you in this alignment, not only for you, but for your group, because there's going to be things going on in your group that under your own power, your under your own wisdom, you're not capable of handling. You have to have God help you with it, or you're just going to burn out. Okay? So the next one we're going to talk about is embracing others. And that's an in rhythm. So within your group, you're going to be embracing others. And just a little bit of housekeeping. I'm sure you've noticed by now that the numbers in your book are not exactly right. <laughs> um, so I'm going to call out the question and just try to find where that is in your book because these answers are really important so that you can look back at those later. Um, living out the one another is just so important because um, Romans 12.5 tells us, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So we belong to one another, so we should serve one another. And how do we do that? Um, the best way is uh, we should serve one another within our groups with any answers, any guesses? Love, one, very important. Any others? Patience is great. You need that as a group leader. Uh, one answer that we thought would be transparency. And what we mean by that is, if you're transparent as a group leader, and you let them know as um, your group members are listening to you, 
Maybe something that you struggle with, something that um, is just really hard for you, or maybe something that happened to you years ago or recently. And just let them know that you're human too. And because you're the group leader, it doesn't mean you're saying you're more spiritual than them. You're just saying, hey, I struggle too, and can you help me with this? And so what that does is a lot of times, if you have people that don't talk in a group much, and they hear the group leader share their heart, share something painful, something difficult, a lot of times they'll do that as well. And then also um, another one would be authenticity. So write that down because you're going to need that too. Authenticity. You want them over time to learn to trust that you are who you say you are and that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. That they can trust you with their deepest, darkest secrets. That they can trust you with their heart. That they can trust you with anything that they need to talk to you about. So again, transparency and authenticity are really important. And that helps keep your group safe. And it also lets them know that you're going to be respectful to them no matter what they talk about in group. And so that means everyone else is respectful of others. So that's really important, respect. Um, what are three ways that your group could live out the one another's that the Bible talks about within your group, which would go back to that in rhythm? Three ways that you could live out the one another's in your group. Anybody? One of those would be acceptance. So acceptance is really important. People are going to be messy. You're going to come across things that maybe you weren't, you thought you weren't prepared for, maybe you don't want to deal with. Um, but you've got to accept them, and you've got to love them, as we talked about. And you just need to pray with them, pray with the Holy Spirit, ask them how to help you um, teach these people, lead these people, encourage them. That's really important. So many people come into your group and they're just devastated maybe over something that just happened. Uh, maybe something that they're going through day after day after day. Maybe they lost a job. Maybe they're going through a divorce and they're there by themselves. All those things. Um, so acceptance, loving on them, realizing that they're going to be messy and you can help them through that by encouragement. So that's another one you write down. Encouragement. Encouragement is so important. If that is not your gift as a group leader, then find somebody who is. Because someone in your group is going to be more easily encouraging people. And so you want to look for that. So within your group, you would want to look for um, people that want to uh, devote themselves. Be devoted. You want devoted group leaders. You want devoted group members. If you model that for them, then they're going to be more apt to do that. So make sure you're always prepared. Make sure you're always sending out your prayer list or have someone do that for you. Uh, make sure that you give them a voice in the group and let them give things that they'd like to do in the group. Give them a, a chance to, uh, to speak into what they'd like the group to be for them. So the next E in rhythm is engaging the world around us, and it is that out rhythm. You know, it's vital that we all follow Jesus Christ. I mean, he is the chief cornerstone. And if you know anything about construction and building, that cornerstone is very important because if you don't line up everything that cornerstone, everything else is going to be out of alignment, which goes back to the first one, having your alignment with God is that rhythm. We notice in Scripture that Jesus' first steps were always towards the sick. In fact, he was the first person we saw in the Bible ever hug and love on the lepers, people of leprosy, not leopards. <laughs> so, yeah. But, 
um, ADD. Um, but uh, so here we go. <laughs> but Jesus always walked toward them. They were the first group of people that actually he hugged before he healed. No one that ever would touch them, right? Jesus, we also see, also moved towards influencing culture. He didn't hide away from culture and said, hey, me and my gang of guys, we're going to live our life this way and the rest of the world goes to hell in a handbasket, right? He, he was like, hey, we're going to take this out. It's the out rhythm. So we as individuals are called to serve, and your group is called to serve. So if we're the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, why are our hands and feet so clean? You ever think about that? You know, pastors always talking about getting the muck in the mire with people. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with what they're doing, especially if you keep repeating this thing over and over. It just means that you need to get in there and try and help them and love on them. And eventually the Holy Spirit's going to help them change, not you, the Holy Spirit. We remember the very last words of Jesus Christ that hit our eardrums was Mark 16. And the very last words he said that vibrated on our eardrums was, Go ye into all the world and preach my gospel to every creature, every living creature. So lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Cast out demons in my name. And that he said that he would go with us and he would back his word. It's very refreshing. You know, Kyle Wall said once in the uh, new small group leader training, and if you've not been to it, even though you've been coaches for a while, I highly suggest you going back in it. It's wonderful stuff. He said one service project from your group is the equivalent of your group meeting for two or three months. Especially if you have weirdness going on in between people in your group or personality conflicts. Normally a serving-type group thing outside your group walls resolves that issue pretty fast. It's amazing what that does. Love heals and hurts divide. And it kind of goes along with what I just said about people in your group. Love heals, hurts divide. You know, there's some people out there in a community that wouldn't even set feet in a church. You and your group are going to be a reflection of Jesus Christ to them. They may never run across anybody else the rest of their life who will be that reflection to them. You know, think about it. If a pastor, when he went to that church years ago, after he felt the Lord in the OR or wherever he was in the hospital, and that guy or that lady that was at the door that was welcoming people in, they saw him with his afro and his chest, you know, the shirt on button down the here and all those gold chains. Can you imagine if that person said, hey, come back and you have better clothes? And that was the best he had? None of us would be here. Have you guys ever stopped to think about that? So how is your outrhythm? How's my outrhythm? How's your outrhythm? A um, couple of examples, I'll turn over to Misty. You know, many times our people in our group are suffering, and we don't realize it because they're not comfortable yet sharing it with us. That's why small group leaders, it's always good to pick up the phone, not just text them, maybe invite them to groups before your group starts 20 minutes early or have them stay just to get to know them over that 30th cup of coffee, right? One of the coaches we know started something here recently uh, because somebody in their group, and this is how it starts in your group first, uh, was dealing with somebody that was in children's hospital in the oncology department. And they noticed that the mothers and fathers of these kids would never leave their kids to go to the cafeteria 
they would live out of these vending machines every day. And so what their group decided to do was collect change and go down there and play with the people, bring their kids and board games and coloring books, and basically have a day with these people, these parents, and take all the change these people. I think they had like $135 worth of change in three days for, all, for these people that they spent this time with. So it doesn't mean having this uh, out rhythm of encountering uh, people around you. You don't have to go to a foreign country to have this done. Uh, let me close with this one, one statement. Um, David Bro, I don't know how many people are familiar, but many years back, they couldn't get anybody in their group to serve. And so they were just sick and tired of it. So they came in a group one night, and everybody thought they were going to have a study, and they just threw down a bunch of paper and pens and crayons and stuff, and they said, hey, tonight we're going to write people who are part of Faith Thomas mission teams, like Chris Ladd in Africa and uh, the Comers and all these other people that are out there in the mission field, we're going to write them letters of encouragement. That's what they did. And then somebody said, hey, why don't we sponsor somebody going to Haiti on the Haiti's mission trip? And they did that. And then they said, why don't a couple of us go and bring back experience? Now, here we are all these years later, and their group is leading trips to Haiti before and after the earthquake. So just start small with people in your group and see, see where God takes you with this outwardness. So the next one is expanding God's kingdom, which is a forward rhythm. In expanding God's kingdom, we need to talk about how to reach those people who we haven't reached yet. So how many, who knows how, about how many approximately we, we serve each weekend at Faith Thomas, all the different campuses? Anybody know? How much? Yeah. That's a lot of people. Um, six to seven thousand, just depends. Um, seventeen hundred to eighteen hundred of those are currently active in groups. So where are the others? That's what should keep us up at night. Where are the others? Forty-two hundred, five thousand. Those people. Where are they, and why aren't they connected? So we have to give them a place to be connected, and we do that by having plenty of groups. So there's two ways to do that. Number one is to always have new groups all the time being created. The studies show that a lot of people would rather go into a new group before they would consider going into a group that's been in place for a long time. So you want those people to have a place to go. Secondly, you want your people um, that are already in your group, if someone moves or if someone bursts out and you have room in your group, you want to always be growing because growth signifies hope. So you want to give those people a place. So how do we do that? How do we create those groups and who's going to lead those groups? Well, that's what's so important about looking for leaders within your group, looking for people who we call apprentices that we can start helping along the way, showing um, how they can be leaders, how they can start a new group, um, how someone in your group can start their own group from yours. And then we even know people that have started groups and birth groups and birth groups, and all those groups still get together and do um, service projects, and, and they meet and still are together. So there's so many different ways you can do that, but we've got to give them that opportunity. So look for people who are praying out loud in your group. Look for people who are engaged, who want to maybe do a, a study in your group. They want to um, start a mission project in your group, those kind of things. Those are the people that you're looking for that will be great apprentices, and then you can get them um, into the apprentice program, and they can take the steps that it will take. 
three liters, and we can make uh, room for all those people. You want people to have a place to get planted, because once they get saved, that's wonderful. But we want to give them a place to go. So let's do that. So if I can have a, I can't remember your name. I know I met you the other month. Can you read that scripture again that you read one more time? John 10, verse 3 through 5. Thank you. So what is one of the most important roles as a group leader? Pardon? Lead? Yeah? Oh, there we go. To be the shepherd. So one of the most important roles as a small group leader is being a shepherd for yourself, for your family, and your small group. It is being a shepherd for yourself, your family, and your small group. about the pages being mixed up. So I just wanted to leave you with one last story. We wanted to honor Pat Head Summit uh, while we were here today. We've given you a lot of tools today, and you'll learn a lot more as we go. And the story I wanted to tell is, I think she is a great example of a small group leader. She had a team each year that she knew what they were capable of physically, but she didn't know everything emotionally and personally that those girls could do. So she took it upon herself to teach them leadership, to teach them how to have um, honor and character and all of those different things as she, she showed because she gave them her heart. And so then they took that, and they took it all across the world, and it still continues today. And even though she's not with us, her spirit will live on forever. So that's what you can do as a group leader. You have a team. You know what they're capable of, but you need to try to get that out of them. Because a lot of times people don't understand what their gifts are. And those spiritual gifts are so important. And we can find those spiritual gifts on the, on the website, faiththomas.org. And you can do different spiritual gifts surveys so that they know what they're best at. So try to do that within your group um, and be like Pat Head Summit. Look for those people that you can breathe life into, that you can help succeed, and then that goes out into other, all parts of the world. And the last story about her that I just love is Tyler, her son, tried out for a basketball team and he didn't make it. And he was like, Mom, they cut me from the team. And she's like, who cuts Pat Head Summit's kid from the basketball team? And she was so upset. But she said, you know, I stood back as a mother, and I asked him, did you do everything that I asked you to do? Did you give everything that you could give? And he said, no, Mom, I didn't. And so she said, well, until you do, you're not going to be successful. And he said, please help me. I want you to help me make that team. And she said, I will teach you everything I know, which is what we will do, 
will give you all the tools that you need. He said she would give him some tools that he needed to succeed. But she said, I cannot get you up in the morning and put that fire inside of you to be the best that you can be. And we can't do that for you. You have to do that yourself. You have to get up every morning and say, I want to touch people. I want to reach people for Jesus. And I want to do that for Faith Promise. 